Hey, everybody. Thanks a lot for tuning in. I appreciate you listening. We have an absolutely fantastic guest today, uh, Kelsey Cook. She is uh, a tri-co-host of the Self-Helpless, uh, Self-Helpless podcast, and uh, she also has a web series that is called Risks of Fury, which I am a guest on today. You can check that out. Um, as always, we appreciate you listening. We Cy and I are two lifelong Minnesotans, and uh, we try to stay away from po- uh, politics on this podcast. So um, the Kelsey Cook episode was uh, recorded before you're hearing it. Um, I guess all of them are, but, but before, before. And uh, we're going to have that one air. And then we're going to talk about uh, what happened in Minneapolis and what is happening around the world, around the country. Um, clearly, you can turn it off because we've said we're not going to be political on this podcast, but everybody has a breaking point, and I have certainly reached mine. Um, and so that's what we're going to do. We're going to put it at the end, turn it off if you want, but I am going to warn you against turning it off that I think walking around the earth blindly and only being in a bubble with like-minded people is one of the most dangerous things you could possibly do. So um, again, appreciate you listening, uh, but this is our podcast. Enjoy the show. our podcast. Yep. Hey everybody, this is Chad Daniels, and you have landed in the middle of somewhere. Across from me is my co-host, Cy Amundsen. Hey. It really trailed off there. No, I know. I made made it seem awesome, like, ooh, Chad's been doing research, and he's got a great name coming. And you did nothing. No, I sure didn't. That was probably, although without the nickname, but that was probably one of the least ceremonious intros but that makes sense. We have somebody who uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna say that you enjoy more than me as a person on the show today. So but, I understand sure, why of course. I didn't get a lot of pump up in this one. Yeah, I mean, I just want you to know your place in this episode. <laughs> Thank now, you. Of course, we are uh, missing uh, hay bales. We're missing hay bales. We're missing queso hermano. But yep. what we've done is we've contacted a guest that we both appreciate. On and off stage, very, very funny. And may I? You may. We very specifically thought, we've been so good at doing Zoom episodes, and they've gone so seamlessly, and our internet has been so great, (laughs) and we didn't almost ruin our friendship over uh, an internet episode. Why not beef it up? Why not throw a third person in the ring? Let's get another (laughs) cook in the kitchen. Oh, play on words. It's Kelsey Cook, everybody. Kelsey (laughs) Cook. Hello. Hello. Hi, guys. I'm so happy to be here. Kelsey didn't want us to mention this, but she has her cue cards from her Tonight Show performance behind her on the wall like a real fucking big shot. And I, I I also can see the hammer behind you said they were just put up. Interesting. You guys are such dicks. I knew it. I knew. You, I wish the listeners knew before we said, they're like, oh, it's that's so cool. Good for you. And then as soon as this is recorded, and you're like, oh, what a piece of shit. 
Oh, look at me. I have a microwave in my place. <laughs> oh, look. <laughs> is that my big flex is I have a microwave? <laughs> yes. Um, Kelsey is, let me, uh, let's, Kelsey has an incredible podcast yes. named Self Helpless. That you have been on, Cy. That I have been on. Yes. Kelsey has a, she is a, I'm going to say big time uh, foos, uh, hand foosballer. Wrists of Fury is her internet show that uh, old uh, old Squawk Tits here has been on, haven't you, Chatty? Squawk Tits? Come yeah. on. That doesn't even make sense. I do, honestly, I don't think I've ever said anything that made more sense. But I'm mentioning it because you're on her episode today. Yes. Yes, yes. Comes out today. And I, I had so much fun recording this. And, and it was embarrassing. You know, you go on mm -hmm. and you just want to do your best. But... Uh, she is very, very good at fools. Uh, well, the whole ball. premise is fools you ball. humiliating men who think they can beat you, right? Yeah, that's basically the tagline. Well, to be fair, I never thought I could beat you. I thought that, uh, well, listen, I'm not going to spoil. That's not true. No, no, no exactly. I never thought I could beat her. I've known you for so long. I, know, I don't think you thought you were going to beat her. But if you're going to tell me that you walked into her foosball studio and were like, I don't have a shot here. Go fuck yourself. There's no, no way that's true. I absolutely yeah. thought that. I thought. Well, let's, let's let Kelsey weigh in. Sure. I, so I spoke with Cy before the episode of Rissa Fury was recorded. And Cy gave me very specific instructions. He's like, look, he's going to come in. <laughs> <laughs> and really act nonchalant about the whole thing. He's going to get in your fucking head. He's going to tell you that he's got no chance, but that's yeah. what he did to me. And it's actually the story you guys recently told on the podcast about the stand-up comedy competition where yeah. you guys, I think, were you out golfing during the day? Just hanging out, competing. Hanging out. Okay, yeah. yeah. And, and he sandbagged Chad, me. Yeah, yeah. Chad told you, like, you don't need to, you need to write jokes tonight. You're fine. Listen, that's, I mean, that, that story was embellished. Um, he knew he <laughs> needed to write against me because to that point it was Saturday night and I was undefeated since Tuesday. So he knew damn well he should be home calling his friend Joel, where he gets all his material from. Easy. <laughs> he should call him to try to beat me. And I just wrote a bunch of jokes about space that weren't even really about space. It was awesome. That's true. Who, now, so I, I also want to say this. So, you, I mean, when you when you meet Michael Jordan and he goes, want to play horse? You don't tell him stories about, I was also cut from my basketball team, Michael. We're the same person. When he hands you the ball, you go, what's this? Of course you downplay everything. But I never, ever thought I would be able to go in there and beat her. She's a pro foosball player. I'm going to, but if Michael Jordan says, do you want to play horse? Every single moment of every single shot, I'm thinking, there's a chance. And if I beat him, I'm going to fucking talk about it until the day they bury me. Has any man beaten you yet? No. In, in the history, Has anyone come close? I mean, in at professional tournaments, but not yes, on but in this show. No, yeah. not on this show. Sometimes a guy will beat me in the middle round where we make these like severe handicaps. So Chad beat me in the middle round because Chad was allowed to score on either goal. So he could literally shoot the ball backward into his own goal and it would give him a point and I had to play standing on one leg with my arms crossed so yes in and that it wasn't game, like a blowout no <laughs> it wasn't it wasn't like a slaughtering with those rules and and if you've never if you've never like had someone come up and pet you as a human being that's as close as you will get to feeling like that 
Just like, oh, look at the look at the good boy. That's Who's what it tried? felt like. Who tried good at foosball? <laughs> where can they be? Before we get into just talking about you as a human yeah. being, where can people get it? So uh, if you go on YouTube, there are, I believe, 22 episodes out now. If you search Risks of Fury, it's part of the All Things Comedy channel on YouTube. And I, I also want to, before we get into the real stories, tell you that, so you'd known Chad for a while. The reason you and I know each other is because of this podcast, but I don't think I've ever told you the reason I know of you is because uh, Delaney Fisher is on your podcast. Yeah, and yeah. she, years ago, I did a college at Santa, Santa Barbara. Okay. in california and uh normally when you get a college opener it's a guy who's like his closing act is juggling his ventriloquist dummies you know <laughs> right he's just like all right next i'm gonna juggle to my version of start me up fart me up and then he just starts flipping around his racist puppets but the I, so they're always terrible openers and so i was half paying attention and i didn't know her and she went up and fucking throttled the room and i thought oh. she was so funny and so when she started a podcast i gave it a listen and that's where i learned of you and taylor so. oh that's awesome i'll have to pass it on to her she's Please so don't. funny no thank you <laughs> she doesn't need it um you <laughs> know just for I wanted... audience background i don't i think her ego's fine she's doing fine <laughs> she's just to clarify she's like literally the nicest person and she also she did like the biggest like huge I have the biggest dick in the room move of she just quit stand up because she was like, I don't need to do this anymore. Can you even imagine like being <laughs> secure enough in your own life to be like, I don't really need this validation anymore. She Can I imagine it? it? Yeah. I think about it like three to four times a week. <laughs> I will yeah. tell you, I, I cannot imagine it. Uh, I need people to pet me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And Sai, your episode on self-helpless, we did one um, called Living with OCD. That's one of our most listened to episodes. People love that one and write into us all the time. Yeah, I get a lot of emails saying like, it's been a long time since we've had a voice for OCD that was such a hot little piece. Yeah, good. I've been saying hot little piece a lot lately and I don't feel like stopping. I love it. Speaking of I hot little piece, it. I have a hot little piece of my lunch in my throat right now because I just vomited. <laughs> I don't hate it. I kind of hope that something gets started with it. I'd like a t-shirt. Thank you. Well, I'll tell you, something's going to get started because I'm a hot little piece. <laughs> oh, shut speaking of up. Speaking of having a piece of food in your throat, and here's where Chad and I just become expert transitioners. You have to tell people, uh, you have to tell people your food poisoning story. What a, what a lead. What a lead. What a segue. Um, okay, so... Some people at this point know that I have irritable bowel syndrome because I, I talk about it on stage and uh, I have a lot of bad things happen because can, of irritable Can you explain what that is? So basically there's two sides of irritable bowel syndrome. Either you're somebody who like has to go to the bathroom all the time or you're very, very constipated and you have a hard time like having an actual bowel movement. Do you guys ever meet up and do like a, <laughs> we've got spirit, yes we do, like that kind of a thing? No, it's more of a sharks and jets. <laughs> Just snapping? It's more, yeah, it's, it's more of a competition, but the one side always has to leave about three snaps in. <laughs> And then the ones that shit their pants just make the ones that can't so furious. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I wish I could do that. Exactly. Like grass is always greener with the two IBSNs. So, um, but this is, I don't think I knew yet that I had IBS, but when I was a freshman in high school, I got. Oh, I already love it. Yeah. Okay. 
I already love the freshman <laughs> in high school because that's it's a tough place to be without that. Yeah, I'll tell you what, I pissed on the front of my jeans on accident as a freshman <laughs> in high school once, and it's one of the worst mistakes I've ever made in my life. So I can't imagine a stop-and-go poop situation as a freshman. <laughs> oh, buckle. It's it's so bad. So um, I had the worst case of food poisoning I've ever had in my life. It was New Year's Day Eve, and my family and I had gone to my grandma's house for this gathering, and uh, it just hit me. I don't know if it was either it was either from Chili's the night before or Mrs. Fields in the mall drinking some, like, milk. You know that nobody was touching that <laughs> milk, so it would probably been in there for, like, seven months. So one of the, two. the corporate was either the home of the baby back ribs or you're going to blame the milk that's next to one of the best cookies in the world. It's the fuck. It's chilies. It's you think I want my baby back, baby back, baby back, baby back, baby back, baby back, baby back. I want my baby back, baby back, baby back. Chilies, baby back ribs. Chilies, baby back ribs. Every once in a while, he just does that to remind you how good he is at singing. Oh, he's really good. You know, that's what you feel. You guys, he I'm is. Gonna, he is. I'm leaving the good. meeting. See? I'm leaving the meeting. So you shit your pants. What? How, tell you us can, about yeah, it. Yeah. So you, your, your ribs are feeling chilies. My ribs are feeling chilies. So all of a sudden, it's like both ends, like exclusively. Oh, cannot, cannot control it. Sitting on the toilet, like garbage can in front of me, going to the bathroom. So that goes on for maybe an hour or two. And for whatever reason, instead of my dad just being like, okay you're just going to stay the night at your grandma's the rest of the family will go home or maybe you know me or your stepmom will stay he was like hey let's just get everybody back home let's just pile everybody <laughs> how, how far what's how far how minutes. far is home 20, 20 minutes. minutes so and you've let's... been what are your splits at this point how how long are we talking between whooshes <laughs> i want to i'm saying three minutes between contractions okay, okay. So you're like if this was a baby <laughs> delivery the baby's coming like yeah. it's time to be at the hospital and you are sitting on a toilet and puking into a trash can yeah now Which... have you ever heard that described as a hot box no that's, not in that's that what, sense that's what i've called i mean there's a sports hot box where someone is in baseball running in between bases and they're trying to get them i've heard that as hot box but i've also heard shitting and puking at the same time where you don't know what's going to happen i've all i've heard that called a hot box oh i've only you heard it how, for weed you know how we realize on episodes sometimes that i'm one of the dumbest people that walks the earth I had terrible food poisoning when I was like 27 or 28, and I had the fronts and backs as well. <laughs> I and like that. When just a second ago, when you said, and I had a bucket in front of me, I literally went, oh, that's such a good idea. Because I would like shit and no. flush and then turn, like, I was, I was like, oh. uh, yeah, I was doing gymnastics in there. I really, it was, it was, and I'm, and I know, chat. I know, I know. <laughs> Did, I know. Go ahead. Do, do you think you didn't even have to puke until you shoved your face in your shit smell? <laughs> I don't know. Can I be Cause, honest? Because I, I think that. I think you know how like you know in movies like or, or when they they say like a, a mom like can lift a car up because she just goes into this different mode. I yeah. think the moment the first projection came out of my body my nose was like we're going into a mode here. It was just it, like it disappeared. <laughs> it, it's like I didn't have a nose for two days. The human body is fascinating to oh, be yeah. able to turn your sense of smell off. Cause you know, your shit's going to make you puke. Come on. That's amazing. <laughs> so your dad is about to risk it for 20 minutes on a three minute split. Go ahead. Yeah. Still to this day, don't understand the thought process behind that makes no sense to me. So 
we go out to the car. It was, I think like a Subaru hatchback. So it was my dad and my stepmom in the front in the middle row was my younger brother, then me, then my younger sister. And then sat right directly behind me in the last row was my little brother. So they have put me as like the nucleus. <laughs> you're, I love how they're like, we know that you're having trouble right now, but you're going to need to crawl over at least one of your family members to take care of this. And <laughs> since it's winter in Washington, we are also going to have the heat on in the car. Best of luck. Counterpoint. <laughs> Great parenting. There's no way your dad and stepmom didn't get together and go, hey, you know how we're so fucking sick of these kids? And Kelsey's paying for it right now. And that's good. I love it. I want to see it come out of her. She deserves it. Let's put her brothers on either side of her so they fucking reap this thing too. Let's parent. Let's be some parents. God it's just damn. vengeance. Yeah. I mean, if that's where their head was at, then it was a brilliant plan because it was it. a nightmare. So <laughs> I was in the very middle I'm like an active volcano. They gave me a garbage bag to puke in, but left my asshole unattended. Because <laughs> I mean, what were they supposed to put a beef eater on there? <laughs> Just military guard? Yeah, there, I mean, there wasn't much that could be done, but sure. of course it's like, so then why would you try and transport me right now? So we start driving, immediately I start throwing up. And I don't know if you guys remember a time before COVID when you were in a car with people, but your faces are generally within a foot, if, if that, of sure. each other. So if somebody's throwing up over and over, obviously that's going to make everybody in the car pretty miserable. So that's <laughs> happening. And then it gets maybe like five minutes into the 20 minute drive. And I get the gurgles where, you know, it's, there's yep. only one direction that that's going. And I just remember saying through tears, I'm really sorry, guys. And then I, <laughs> and then I released a quantity of diarrhea that was medically shocking. Like it was <laughs> insane. Oh <laughs> I hope your name is in a book about this. And there's nowhere for it to go other than down my pants onto the floor of the car uh -huh. and all over the seat that I am sharing with my brother and my sister on either side of me. Oh, bummer. <laughs> and we're talking, cause at this point, like two hours have gone by of me doing this at my grandma's house. So yeah. now consistency, it's like beef broth. Like it is liquid. It Burf. is. <laughs> Burf. Burf. Uh. <laughs> Hope nobody listening is eating pho right now. I'm so sorry, but it, I'm just trying to explain like how truly traumatizing this was for me and everybody in the car that you're like, how, how am I ever going to live after this? And so all of a sudden my family who had been trying to kind of be sweet and not hurt my feelings, you feel all of the windows start to roll down. And then every single person's head, like my dad is going like 90 on the freeway with his head leaning out of the window. <laughs> and my poor, my poor, sweet little brother, he didn't have a window. He was just the one sitting directly behind me. And I remember like <laughs> oh, catching no. his eyes in the rear view mirror and they were just like saucers. They were so big. 
and I just, just a I, whole a whole car full of Ace Ventura pet detectives <laughs> just out the window trying to avoid that soup smell. Oh my god! <laughs> and I just I always wonder if there were other cars on the freeway that night because, like you mentioned, Chad, it's dead of winter in Washington State, so it's like eight degrees outside. Yeah, and there's just. <laughs> this Subaru flying down the freeway with every window rolled down and every family member's head out the car window. And I feel like if you ever see that, you just have to know that somebody shit their pants in the car because why else would you do that? Yeah, absolutely. I I, I picture your dad and I, I don't want you to say his name, so I'm going to call him Bill. But just sure. going ju- going into work and just like, uh, hey, Bill, you get get purple lips there what's going on uh, it's it's frostbite what? how'd you get frostbite on your lips well it's a it's a long story have you just had lunch and then he just starts going i want my baby back baby back baby back baby back. dude also you know how like some families go and i don't want to make light of anything here uh but you know, when families go through stuff, like somebody gets like a horrible illness, right? Someone in their yeah. family that they have to fight through or, you know, heaven forbid you lose a family member or, you know, you, you wind up homeless because your dad lost. Like there's these defining moments in families sometimes that just bring everybody together because they're the only people that experience that. And other people in the community can't <laughs> understand what it would be like to go through something like that. You might be like, the, the amount of families in America that have survived a puke shit war in a Subaru, <laughs> like your family. I just like the, the idea that like you guys are all super close and everybody's like, well, how come you guys are so close? Oh, well, buckle up because Kelsey's going to make some faux jokes. <laughs> what, a, what a fantastic commercial where it's just four heads sticking out of windows driving down you can see snowy mountains in the background and it just goes someone in your family shit their pants we've got you subaru (laughs) subaru yeah oh so that was um that's like the worst food poisoning story i have like that was i like i I also i want to talk about your dad for a second because i i as uh someone who has a father who you know is is bright oh wow unbelievable and let's well let's just let's call it what it is. If somebody gonna, who has a father, if Jesus somebody's gonna Christ. discuss the point of view of having a father on this show, I'm gonna I'm gonna lead that charge, and you can jump in. Unbelievable. With whatever you'd like to jump in with, whenever yeah. you're ready. Chad, do you want to just wait in the car while we finish talking about? I don't know, Kelsey. Dad? Are you gonna shit in it first? <laughs> <laughs> don't stop, Kelsey. <laughs> You got to respond with, go wait in the car. It's the one your dad stole. Let's keep it going. Let's ramp this thing up. Let's ramp the aggression up. Don't help the guests. I just like that your dad, I just, I just like that your dad so confidently threw uh, a child having that situation into a vehicle and so confidently threw the, like, did your grandma have a car? Could she not have like, couldn't your dad and you have spent the night there and your grandma could have drove everybody else? I mean, there's just so many other options. The confidence to know that your daughter is just self-destructing and be like, let's put it in the car, man. Let's get this thing home. Go ahead. Doesn't have a dad, Chad. I think that uh, (laughs) Kelsey's dad and my dad actually did have something in common because one time I was going on a trip for school and we were going to be home late and we were going to be stopping for dinner at a a McDonald's or a Burger King, whatever. 
And I said, I need a little money for that. And my dad said, uh, oh, bummer. All I have is 50 cents. And so he gave me 50 cents, which is a lot like handing a child a plastic bag when they're both shitting and puking. <laughs> I think that Bill and Steve are cut from the same cloth. You think? <laughs> and that cloth is a plastic garbage bag. <laughs> how, how, is it, uh, how is it now, though? As a, so that was a freshman. What are you, when you're 15, right? And so yeah. how is it now? Oh, terrible, terrible. Oh, it still is? Oh, yeah, we were looking, I you mean, know, we really love positive endings on this show, so <laughs> we didn't get what we were looking for there. Go on. No, I'm so, sorry. <laughs> Chad, Chad, Chad asked that, like, after hearing that horrid story, he's like, but now? But why now, don't you let the people well, no, know no, no, what I, you're doing? I asked that because I know that you've been plant-based uh, after yeah. watching the documentary that Cy and I watched. Yeah, Game Changers. Um, and you've, you've been forever. Um, I mean, yeah, my, my asshole is still a real bummer. It's not oh, okay. that being vegan, I think vegan like changes that aspect, but not in necessarily a positive way. It's just different. Like you end up, you're eating beans all the time and all these other vegetables. Oh yeah, that, that makes, that makes sense. Are better for you, but yours, you know, if yeah, you have ideas. Vegetables. Yeah. If you have so ideas. So now, now your explosive diarrhea has like spinach leaves in it. <laughs> I get it. I've been sure. there. Well, you know. I mean, because listen, I was, as you know, plant-based for seven hours I know. and it was not easy. You were so proud. <laughs> thank you. And and if I could jump in here, when I went 65% uh, plant-based for two and a half weeks, <laughs> I I also experienced some of that when I so went 50 know. to 65% <laughs> yeah. plant-based for two and a half weeks. I did okay. try okay. to respect your, you know, attempt at plant-based, Chad, when I made you drink a vegan cookies and cream. Oh, uh, yeah, I can't wait. I really want people to watch Rissa Fury because a lot of it wasn't just foosball. It was really fun banter. But there are some some different games and different aspects of it. What's like there's a challenge and the challenge is beating you and I lost. And so I had to do some stuff. Yeah. And uh, I'm excited for people to watch that for sure. There's a lot of middle of summer inside jokes. I feel like your um, podcast yeah, I think so. will like it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I am staring at your list. And it says, uh, you got fired. Yeah. Uh, can, should I read the whole thing? I can. Yeah, you can. You got can. Fired oh, yeah, because we of a, we're, we're so good at setup. You got fired because <laughs> of a text. They actually get yeah. worse as the show goes on. <laughs> like mine was bad. That one was the next one. I'll just go, do you ever drink stuff, Kelsey? <laughs> and by the end, Chad will just be going, <laughs> tell story, tell story, Kelsey person. Tell story. As somebody who okay. loves the show so much, I just didn't realize how much editing goes into it until I'm actually on it where I'm like, wow, this is, you guys are so professional, but I know now that you turn into. No, <laughs> we're. Oh no, none of this. This is all Stan. Yeah. We're um, going to just let this happen. All right. So it. getting fired because of a text. I'm excited about yeah. this because texting has ruined four relationships in my life. I'm not going to tell you those stories, but I am going to listen okay. to your story to make me feel better. Can we guess which relationships? Go ahead, Kelsey. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay, so getting the getting fired from a text uh, when I was, I must have been, I think, a senior in college, junior, senior in college. Uh, I had a job working for ESPNU where they were having college students kind of being sideline reporters. And um, it was a really cool job. I got to like interview Kareem Abdul-Jabbar and uh, lots of very cool people coming through the university. So I liked having the job and I wanted to keep it. 
And then one night I went back with a guy to his place to hook up with him. And I left my phone downstairs where his roommates were. And this is back, you know, like, I think Oof. it was still maybe a flip phone, like not a lot of security. Sure. T9 texting. So you, you came into the house of said hookup and made yeah. the dire mistake of taking your phone out and setting it down in a communal area. And I then think you so. went up to do finger stuff. Got it. Thank you for specifying. Yeah, I think <laughs> <laughs> I either like set my phone down there or it was in my coat pocket that was there around those other guys. Okay. So while I was upstairs with that guy, apparently my phone had been going off. I didn't know. Um, and then the next morning I got uh, I can't remember if it was a text or a phone call from my boss that was like I need to speak with you (laughs) (laughs) and um he was like I need to talk to you about what you sent to me last night I was like I I don't know what you're talking about and he was like well I had been texting you asking like for an update on the package that you were supposed to you know get to me soon and after I texted you a couple times, I got a text back from you that said, sorry, I'm getting laid right now. I actually thought way worse. Thought it was going to be way worse. Yeah. I actually thought when you said texted you about the package, I thought he was wondering about the guy you went home with. <laughs> hot little piece. Who's that hot little package you went home with? That hot little piece. <laughs> yes. I, there's, that's with all the ways that, that those people could have sabotaged your phone in response to that. Yeah. That is that is the tamest that I would it's have guessed tame. in a million years. Right. It is totally tame. However, under the context of he thinks it's me and that's my boss and my sure. only not interactions not with him <laughs> have been completely professional for like yeah. a year. And then just <laughs> randomly, it's like, I, dude, I can't talk to you right now. I have a dick in me. Like, relax. Like, I'll get you the package when you need the. You know what I mean? That was obviously a very different <laughs> type of response than that. But the so, worst part so, is that you can't go in and you can't be like, here's the thing. Somebody else sent that. And I didn't know they did because, I mean, I was upstairs. I was getting late. late. I'm sorry. But, but, you could, but you could have said something like, I went to sleep. My roommate's boyfriend is a dick. He used my phone. Did you try yeah. any of that or did you just come clean? Oh, I think I stumbled through it terribly. because No one's going to laugh at come clean? All right, that's fine. <laughs> wow. I threw you guys a softball. Okay. <laughs> um, I, I mean, I was so in shock about what had happened, and it was happening in real time. So it's not like I, I don't think I was pretty smooth about it. I think I pretty much just shoved my foot in my mouth and sure. said more than I needed to. Uh, sorry, I, I just... I was with a guy, but I, we didn't, I think I probably said we didn't even have sex. It was I probably said no, like way too much information. <laughs> <laughs> it was just finger stuff, but his friends thought I was getting laid, but I, it, uh, you know, it's like, there's no good thing. It was just that. third base. That sounds like ESPNU, right? <laughs> using, using sports terms. Does that help? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So that was that. And then I also had um, another kind of text incident. Uh, maybe a couple years before that, where I I was dating a guy very briefly, maybe, maybe gone on three or four dates. And he had recently gotten, gotten out of a relationship with this psycho chick named Tiffany. And Tiffany was- Great she, psycho name. I mean, oh, so- absolutely. 
so there's on woman, brand. There's a woman named Tiffany who tried to make my brother Jess pick between loving me and loving her. <laughs> and guess who's standing still, Tiffany? You fucking twat. Take a walk. They were engaged. So I won. I won, <laughs> Tiffany. Eat ass, Tiffany. Sorry, this is not about me. I'm very sorry. Well, I Fuck think you, it's, Tiffany. I think Fuck it's you. clear. I hope you listen. And after this, you are not a listener anymore. <laughs> Fuck you, Tiffany. I think somebody that makes another person choose between their brother and them mm -hmm. and is named Tiffany already eats ass. So that wasn't like a great <laughs> dig. I meant I think, it in a, like in a like a you're not going to love it. You don't. That's something you don't like. <laughs> But anyway, this is not about me. Go ahead with Tiffany. I'm sorry. No, I'm glad that you also know a Tiffany. It, it is so on brand for like kind of the psycho chick territory. Mm -hmm. She yeah. was a um, like a competitive BMX motocross girl. If I can paint a picture for you. I think she had been arrested in a couple bar fights. Like just her, her reputation was... So what, what, you're, what you're saying is she liked to wash her skull down with Mountain Dew. Yes. Okay. What you're we saying. Got it. That makes sense. What you're saying is that she had multiple different sort of gems on her jeans, right? One thousand percent. What you're you what you're telling us is <laughs> instead of a instead of a ping pong ball show that you might see in Malaysia, she would just whip out a Monster Energy drink from that snatch. <laughs> What you're, I think what you're trying to say, and correct me if I'm wrong, Kelsey, is she's the sort of girl who would have black hair, but blonde skunk streaks oh, in it. Oh my God, yes, she did. And, and when she goes bowling, she makes sure her name on the screen is baby girl. I think what you're, Kelsey, I think what you're trying to tell us, if I'm not mistaken, and please correct me if I'm wrong, but... When you would ask Tiffany what day her birthday is, she would reply with Friday, Friday, Friday. <laughs> brazzers, brazzers. <laughs> oh my God, my face. Wow, so, I feel like my head's going to explode. So Skunk Snake, uh, Skunk Streaks Tiffany is riding yes. around on a on a BMX bike, you know, and which is like I said, BMX girls are very close to horse girls. You know, yes. I it's the, that it's Venn a, diagram, that yeah, center there's little, circle. Yeah. There's a little crossover, yeah. Yeah. Um so she she kind of had a re reputation and I knew that I was the rebound basically, like coming off of his relationship with her. So we uh, went on a couple dates and he would leave his phone in the car and then we'd come back and he would have like 38 missed calls from her just as clear. Yeah, go ahead. Question. Yes. Thank you. Um, now when you started dating him and you, mm -hmm. you knew you were the rebound, how much did you know about Tiffany pre, uh, did, were you, were you, were you aware of her pre starting to date him? Um, a little because bit. That's a lot of, that's a lot of <clears throat> confidence on your part. And I want to tell you that I recognize it and I appreciate it because uh, there's no way that she is not like if you stick around for that sort of crazy, there's something extra going on there that I think the rest of us normies are going to sure. have a hard time fulfilling. So I just want to give you some credit if you were aware that uh, Tiffany was who she was before you started. Thank you. I mean, yeah, 
big shoes to fill in the bedroom. I'm sure. Like we didn't even get to that point. I think I went on maybe three or four dates with him, but you know that she was doing some like crazy shit. And there's definitely uh, fingers and buttholes. Yeah. Absolutely. Fingers. Yeah. Yeah. It's like action figures. There's probably a lot of stuff in buttholes. So <laughs> you're on. You, there's 38 missed calls. I'm sorry. Yeah. So I'm I'm already seeing weird shit happening where clearly she's still trying to kind of be in the picture. Um, and then maybe, I don't know, a few weeks in a month in, I was texting with him one day, but the responses I was getting back didn't sound like him, like just poor grammar. And just, I was like, she signs every text, baby girl. You're like, he doesn't call himself baby girl. (laughs) It was baby. Yeah. So after a few texts back and forth, I finally say, am I really talking with Jeff right now? And I get a response that says, no, this is actually his girl. He and I are trying to work things out and I'd appreciate it if you never spoke to him again. So at this point, I was, you know, like upset. I was, yes, Chad, go ahead. Do we know if uh, Tiffany is also a songwriter and sent something to Carrie Underwood? (laughs) Have we we looked into that? Because this seems like uh, somebody's about to get keys on their four-wheel drive, something. Yes. I don't listen to country yeah. music, but I think that's close. That's pretty close. Thank you. Yeah. That's pretty close. So I was so pissed reading that because in that moment, I knew that he had basically gone back to her. Like they were hanging out at least, and she had stolen his phone and was responding without mm-hmm. him knowing. So that kind of brought out like my inner crazy bitch where I was like... <laughs> At that point, I was like, well, fuck both of them then. Because, I mean, I'm obviously not going to keep hanging out with him at this point. And also, like, fuck her for stealing his phone and, and doing all this. So I thought you were going to I thought you were just going to amp it up when you said it brought it like you like. So I dyed my hair and set that motherfucker's house on fire. <laughs> I thought you were going to text her back pretending to be your boss from ESPNU. <laughs> well, OK, so this is what I ended up sending. So, you know, she sent me the thing of like, this is his girl. And like, we're trying to work things out. So I'd appreciate it if you stopped talking to him. So I sent a text back to Tiffany that said, ha ha, Kelly, you're so funny. You and Jeff and I should have another threesome soon. <laughs> I'm just going to go with well played. That's really Thank good. You. That's that is so really funny. Good. So because, you know, she her first instinct reading that was who the fuck is Kelly? Yeah, great. Yeah. Really great. So all of a sudden, my phone starts ringing, and it's Jeff's number. I Mm -hmm. do not answer it. Goes to voicemail. Then I have like a 45-second voicemail that's just Tiffany crying (sighs) and saying why over and over. She's just like, why? Why? Like very Nancy Kerrigan, you know? Very CeeLo Green. I know I'm a psychopath, yes. but there's no way that that is not my ringtone to this day. <laughs> there's no way I don't save that, export it. I'll be sitting in church and all of a sudden, why? Not Jeff, why? That's fucking amazing. And at the end of the voicemail, you can hear Jeff come into the room and you hear him go, what's going on? Is that my phone? And then you hear her scream and what sounds like the phone being thrown and shattering. 
Oh, good. And so we don't, do you, are you telling us that that is the end of the story and we don't really know what happened between Tiffany and Jeff? Because I love that sort of mystery. Well, I will just tell you from Facebook that they are not, I know that they are not. So they didn't end up together. <laughs> oh, and I can well. tell you uh, why, because of a forensic files episode. <laughs> <laughs> they figured yeah, it out um, because in Jeff's backyard, there was just a rock on a lump of dirt that had baby girl carved <laughs> into it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So. The baby girl makeshift tombstone had Jeff's prints all over it. <laughs> it just, that was the kind of the first time I figured out like what brand of crazy bitch I am in those mm -hmm. situations. Cause she was very like Jersey shore, you know what I mean? Come sure. in swinging. Mm -hmm. And I'm more like M night Shyamalan yeah. where I want, a plot twist like i want to fuck you psychologically and haunt your dreams that way so absolutely yeah, do you know remember his movie the village i never saw that one i heard it was really bad i watched the entire thing thinking of it as the way the ending is supposed to surprise you so when it, yeah. the ending happened i was like yeah i thought that's what i thought the whole time what's going on here it was oh. the it was the worst disappointment other than that story on this podcast, the story <laughs> I just told about the village. My my nephew, uh, the beautiful Ethan, Madonna scale Ethan. Oh, Madonna that's scale right. 12. Yes, yes. Madonna scale twelve. So yes. when he was quite young, in his you know probably late teens at least, you know probably sixteen, seventeen, they went on a trip down to New Orleans, like some sort of church trip. And he and a group were at a restaurant, and one of the waiters was bragging about being friends with some NFL players and uh, all the kids kept like making fun of me like you're not friends with these guys there's no way and so the guy finally gets like really worked up and brings out a newspaper like like a, a sports page from the specific team winning an important game and he opens it and he, on it it has their names and their they wrote their phone numbers on there he goes see and points it out and then quickly shuts it and then they go, they leave the restaurant and they're walking away and somebody goes, God, I wish, I wish he would have, like, we could have taken a picture of those phone numbers. And then one kid had like a photographic memory and he just <laughs> rattles them off. Oh, it gets so much deeper. So Ethan saves all these numbers and I'm not going to tell you who the players are or where they played in the NFL, but he started texting each of these players pretending to be a different player on a different NFL team and just oh, casually struck up friendships with them and would just like text them on holidays no and way. like like check in with them <laughs> and then finally when those two teams would play the night before he'd set up some like elaborate like <laughs> meet up or hang out on the field and then that would just be the last time he would ever text them <laughs> oh my god so i'm all for i'm all for a good a good phone scam i love wow. it that is unbelievably good well, not a good phone scam. I'm, I'm, you know, that's, that's fun. I don't phones praying on the elderly to get them to send you money. That's a, that's a different topic for a different day. Sure. Yeah. That's called so, a yeah, tease. Those are my weird text mishaps. Tell more stories. More <laughs> stories. Time, Kelsey, time one more story. Talk about drinking. <laughs> okay.
Kelsey drink alcohol. Chad drink alcohol. Cy not drink alcohol. Cy doesn't have friends lots. Go ahead. You two talk. <laughs> what is happening? Nothing. Um, nothing good. I'm going to tell you, do you think that part, that story Chad just told was bad? You know how many people probably unsubscribed from that little caveman speech of mine? Go ahead. You used to drink. You still drink. Tell still a drinking drink. story. I still drink. Um, but I wasn't somebody who drank in high school. Uh, I, I feel like I have a lot of friends who got their most embarrassing drinking stories out of the way in high school. And then we're like a little bit more seasoned by. I'm right college. there with you. I'm right there with you. You did the same thing. Yeah. I didn't drink in high school either. I drank when I was 20. Okay. Same. So I was like, I started like right at the end of the of 20 getting into 21 and um, <clears throat> my 21st birthday. And the, that whole year I just did so much horrifying shit because I didn't, know my limits with alcohol yet and one of them was um I had a like an on again off again boyfriend in college and at one point when we were kind of like rekindling it was supposed to be I think like a, a romantic night and us kind of talking about like what we were going to do with our relationship I got pretty much blackout drunk like I was kind of going in and out of the blackout and we went back to his place and we were laying on his bed on our sides facing one another and trying to have an intimate conversation. And I remember in my head thinking, uh, I have to, th I have to puke. I have to throw no. up, but I don't. Oh yes. Chad. Are you face to face or face to cross? Face are to you, face. So you're not dry 69ing. You're actually looking right in his eyes. <laughs> no. Okay. Yeah. I know that that might've been confusing because I, you know, I said we were having an intimate conversation and sometimes you have that in a dry 69 position where yeah, you I was, just I followed to you the whole time there. Kelsey. I was with <laughs> you. Listen, I like to ask questions. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Sue me. <laughs> that's how Tiffany, that's how Tiffany handles serious conversations. If you're laying with her in bed, she just goes, let's talk about it. And then she just samurai Whoa. spins around. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Dry 69 because it's harder to talk to somebody when you're making eye contact. It's better looking right at their crotch. Yeah. Dry 69. Is that a term? Should we get that going? <laughs> I think yeah. we're too old to get that going. Can, can you imagine? Can you imagine being a kid and being like, I've heard about this 69 and thing, but I, I think we should take it one step at a time. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's like, it's the like whole... two teenagers just sucking on jeans. Oh, my oh God. My using God. using denim as a dental dam. Is there anything <laughs> oh. sexier? Oh, you guys know about the whole like the soaking thing that's big in the Mormon community where. No, I do not go on. So <laughs> the loophole to them not having intercourse, but still having sexual experimentation is the guy will just put his dick in the girl's vagina and then they just lay there. They don't move. And it's called soaking. Can I? Um... It's, also, it's called <laughs> marinating. <laughs> oh god That's do you guys want me to pull out that like men in black flashlight and just remove that memory that i just gave you i'm really sorry if that's <laughs> do you know how here first of all we're from the midwest if you if you don't think that there are multiple people whose parents conceived them in this exact farm fucky way <laughs> if you if you think if you think that this is specific to just the mormon community there's there's guys named Robert who were so opposed to really giving it to their wives in the 70s and 80s that they would fuck. This is yeah, absolutely I can, I for can. the Lord. They would they would put it in, soak it, 
And then they would have to have like an electric prod right on their butthole. And then that's how the babies were made. Do you, when you're soaking, do you get to, do you get to uh, goof? Do you get to ejaculate or do you just, oh my God. do you just soak for a while and then do you dry it off? You're the, you're the expert. You're the one who brought this up. So it's my question as I Google soaking here on the computer while you guys talk. Do you think they whisper Dude. where they just go, I love soaking you so much. Oh God, oh, yeah. soak me, oh. soak me. Hey, oh, f- oh. soak it. Soak it oh. to me. Oh, soak it to me. Soak, soak it, it to, me. to me. Hey, Dude, the Missy no, Elliott remix. I promise you there's some underground Mormon comedian right now opening at a BYU comedy show doing a cover of Sock It To Me. <laughs> Is there a song called Sock It To Me? Yeah, Missy Elliott. Yeah. Okay. Hmm. Great song. Um, I don't know if you're allowed to come when you're soaking. I don't know if that would oh, violate. No need, to, no need to be crass, Kelsey. <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry, a goof? Is that the word that you use that you know I want what, to burn when, my ears for? When Mormons ejaculate, it is called coming clean. <laughs> You're really not letting that joke go. You are demanding <laughs> oh, that we laugh you, at that joke. If you think I'm not going to end with it, you're crazy. <laughs> I would expect nothing less. <laughs> okay. It doesn't appear that you, as I, as I spend some time on Quora, a website I often frequent to answer questions of mine, uh, sure. It doesn't. It doesn't appear that you get to. That you only get to soak. You don't get to juice. Oh God! <laughs> why? Those, oh. those honestly sound like terms from someone who's gone plant based. <laughs> yes. Soaking and juicing. Soaking okay, and juicing. Oh, so much. Um. So you are okay. face. You're so you're face to face. We were not dry sixty ninety. Yes, you're in and out of blackout. Yeah, face to face, having. Um, a serious conversation and, and I realize I have to throw up, but, uh, I, I think in my drunk mind, I was like, I don't want to bail out of this conversation. Like this is an important conversation. I don't want to physically leave the room. So I apparently said to him, I kind of like briefly interrupted and was like, Hey, just, just one second. And I rolled over, put my hand to my mouth. as to shield in a very effective way what I was about to do and then I discreetly threw up on his pillow and then rolled back over toward him wiped my mouth and said I'm sorry what were you saying (laughs) I would love it if when you rolled over your dad just handed you a plastic bag (laughs) (laughs) he's just there waiting in the wings that would have been incredible that would have been an incredible place to end the show, uh, but you know me, I don't let that happen. I just want to point out, uh, I did a little research here quick, and I want to back the Mormon community up because on this forum, there sure is a lot of white guys named Nathan telling me that soaking isn't really a thing that Mormons do. So, Oh, okay. Thank sure. you, I, land I, of many Nathans. Well, that's I weird because there is uh, that Billy Squire song, Soak me, soak me, soak <laughs> me. I gotta go. You do not get to go. You're gonna sit here and you're gonna listen to what I say. Billy Squire is the fucking man. He's the man, and I love his music. And also, I love his music so much that when I met Bill Squire, the comedian who's who's fantastic, wonderful, funny comedian who has probably spent a good portion of my of his life having people compare him to the Billy Squire and has not loved it. I met him 
early in our careers and made that comment. And I think he probably hated me for eight years because he thought I was being a dick. And I was genuinely like, you're named after somebody that I think is great. And I understand that that was a mistake on my part. But you know what? Let's end the show. The point is, I will not deal with any Billy Squire slander. Tell everybody to list what they can listen to of Kelsey's and watch. <laughs> you want me to say it? No, we're going to let Chad do it. And then you can, and then you can, you can give any final plugs. I just unraveled okay. completely at the end of the show, which yeah, is, you did, which you is know, kind of, it's kind of what everybody's getting used to. I think I kept it together for upwards of almost 50 minutes. And I'm pretty proud of that. Um, you can listen to Kelsey on her podcast, Self Helpless. <laughs> and you can also see her hosting her, her web show, her web series, Wrists of Fury, which yours truly, Cookies and Cream Tits, is a guest on uh, today, actually. Yeah. And uh, you can also check out stand-up clips on her Instagram and uh, follow her on all the stuff. Very, very funny. Uh, thank you so much for being on the show. Kelsey. Thank you for having me, you guys. You know, it's my favorite podcast. I was honored. Yeah, we we sure both uh, care about you and like you a great deal. So thank you for being our, first, uh, our first Zoom victim and you know, real. You, we've talked about you coming on for a while, and I've told you it's just going to be us getting in the way. And, I love uh, it, and that's what it was. Two things. Two. I have one for Kelsey and one for Sai. <clears throat> okay, Kelsey, your lower cue card from the Tonight Show is crooked. And Sai, <laughs> I would like to tell you, you love soak me. me, soak me. Wow, that's different. I gotta I go. You're gonna say this was the the moment. No, nope, I, I gotta say go. It. Okay, all right. We all have to go. Hey everybody, thanks for sticking around. As you know, uh, George Floyd was murdered by police officers in Minneapolis after that protest took place. After that, some looting took place, which kind of goes hand in hand with protesting. Unfortunately, you know, you find people that are always looking for a, a loophole. I wouldn't be surprised if one day I see my dad looting on the news, uh, to be honest with you. But the protests, uh, peaceful necessary i think this country is at a breaking point we've all been inside because of covid and i think people have finally just had enough so i'm going to present you with facts i'm not going to give you my opinions during this part later on in four weeks if i decide to give you my opinion tough shit i'm going to do it but these are these are just facts so i have been uh looking i mean everyone's been social media crazy lately and I've been seeing some things because everybody has voice, right? Everyone, their voice is heard on social media. And sometimes that's not great because there are some dumb people. And I, that's also a fact. But I'm just going to tell you some of the things I've seen on social media. Uh, and I'd like to just kind of talk about it. So um, let's discuss the phrase, most cops are good. Okay, you can agree with that. You can disagree with that. My point is this. The same people that are writing most cops are good on their social media pages also after 9-11, never forget, said that if Muslims don't want to be recognized as terrorists, they need to turn inward. They need to look into their family. They need to look into their mosque and they need to stop what's going on within their group, right? Well, now I'm asking, why not cops? Why aren't the good cops supposed to go into their precincts and when there is racism involved 
when there is a legal activity involved, why are they not, why are they not expected to scrub their own homes? I don't understand that. And is it because they're cops? Is it because Muslims are mostly brown and that makes you feel okay to say that? I mean, we've been doing that forever, right? We've been saying, even, even to the looting and the protesting, we've been saying, well, looters, you know, if the protesters don't want to be considered looters, they need to talk to the looters. They need to do something. Well, no, they don't. They're protesting. So all I'm saying is you can't have it one way for one group and another way for another group. It doesn't, if you want people to, well, lack of a better term, police themselves, you have to look at that for every single group. I mean, my name is Chad. I've told you. I've told Chads to stop wearing their hats backwards because I'm fucking tired of it. So it's like the same, it's the same thing. And I'm not trying to make light of this situation. I'm just saying we do have to police ourselves to some extent, but also we have to, you know, not just judge the groups we want to judge. We need to have uniformed rules when we're saying things like that. I'm, this is, I'm, you know, you and I have talked about this, Chad, uh, you know, just as human friends consistently throughout this entire thing, but this, uh, doing it on here, you're, I'm my, on the, the comedy podcast, my job is usually to get in the way and say something dumb. Uh, sure. that, that won't <laughs> be my job here. I, I just, I agree with everything you've said. Well, I'm, I mean, you know, I, I understand that we want to highlight the fact that there are good police officers, but it's like, yeah. no shit. There's wet water, too. Yeah. yeah I mean, yeah. that's what cops are. Well, and, and I'll say the one thing that I'll say is and something I get very tired of, and I, I don't even know how to phrase this correctly, but it's focusing in on a tiny, tiny percentage of an argument like the no when, when my response is no, I don't feel like anyone is saying there's no good cops. But I think the people who are saying what you're saying, they are able to find a small, tiny, minuscule opinion that says something like that. And then they use it to justify their response to almost a fictional argument. Do you know what I'm saying? I, I do know what you're saying. Yes. And, 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 and that's a thing that drives me nuts, whether we're talking race relations, gun control, any divisive topic. If you are spending your efforts focusing on a tiny non-representative piece of an opinion so you can then push your I, I that just drives me nuts yeah we're not we're not talking about good cops that's not the conversation the conversation is police brutality yeah against minorities against people of color that's what we're talking about i mean you want to say well there are good cops well guess what there's good minnesota vikings but we haven't won a fucking super bowl ever so you need everyone to be good to move forward. Yeah. And I have seen, I have seen this Or at least hold the out. bad accountable. There's going to be bad and everything. But I tell you what, when one, when one of my, if one of my brother's pharmacist friends gets, or gets busted for illegally using his prescription pad, that, that shit doesn't get swept under the rug. That shit gets acknowledged. And, right. that, and it gets rooted out. Right. And, and unfortunately, I think this has been going on for such a long time. You have, you know, I only know this from movies. I'm not a police officer. I have some buddies, some acquaintances that are police officers, but I don't know much about it other than what I've seen in the movies. And it seems like it's been going on forever, right? And I've seen 
I've seen this on social media. I've seen 99% of cops are good. Well, okay, let's look at this. I Four police officers are charged with killing George Floyd. So you owe me 396 spotless police officers. I think that's a that's a huge that's a huge number. It's a huge percentage. I don't think it's based on facts. I just because if you want to okay, let's talk about percentages. There are a lot of people of color in prison, right? Mhm. And if we look at the drug charges, most of the time black people get higher sentences for the same crimes. Mhm. If you look at crack specifically, 7% of the incarcerations for crack-related crimes were white people. 66% of crack users were white, right? So now mm-hmm. what we have is we have a lot more black people going to prison for the exact same offense. This is low-level, nonviolent crack use going to prison. Now we have parents that are outside the homes. We have children going up, growing up angry. And we just have this, it's like, when you talk about a broken system and you hear people go, oh, the system's broken. This is what it is. It's not just about police officers. It is about a system that is keeping people of color underwater for generations. It is cyclical. And that's, we need to dig deep here because we are so fucking far past our turn we are going to have to turn all the way around and drive all the way back to figure some stuff out. Yeah. And I think that's what these protests are saying. I'm going to, you know, listen, I understand kneeling with protesters. That is awesome news coverage. Yep. And maybe for some people that were at those protests, it caused healing. But when you're done kneeling, head back to the precinct and let's, let's clean your shit up. Last thing. And this is about social media. And I say last thing today, because I already warned you, as this unfolds and unravels, I mean, Cy and I, this is going to sound so cheesy, but we love people, right? Yeah. We we, we want to see... Despite the amount of shouting we do in in stores. (laughs) Right. But we want... we do. I, I mean, unity would be so fantastic here. And again, not trying to be cheesy, but... I think a way to move closer to unity, well, that this is going to be my opinion. So let me, let me take that back. I mean, I'll save that for another time. But I do, I see people on social media explaining away heartlessness and stupidity with more heartlessness and stupid, more examples of it. You can't say, well, you know, you hear some people go, Donald Trump did this shit and that's, that's wrong. And then you hear somebody go, well, Barack Obama did this shit and then you hear somebody go yeah but george w bush he did that shit and then you hear somebody go well bill clinton remember him he did this shit and then you hear somebody go yeah but george bush senior he did this and you hear somebody go well ronald reagan now hold on same team same team <laughs> so it kind of stops around reagan yeah but you hear it go back and forth and you, you hear people go you hear people say well, what about black on white crime? That's not what we're talking about. We're not asking you to come up with another problem. We are asking you to identify a problem. Let's fix it. Then we can move on to problems. I told you this about my sister when my sister went to rehab. My, she goes, I'm not going to have any money. I'm not going to have any friends. And I'm fucking starving. 
And my mom, who normally is kind of a spaz, she was, she calmly, she goes, okay, well, that's a mountain of problems. Let's pick them apart one by one. You're hungry. Let's go get something to eat. And I'd never really seen my mom respond like that. It was just so calm and so cool. And that's what we need here. Calm and cool. We need to take the mountain of problems we have and we need to start picking them off one by one. We can't, we can't see a problem and throw another problem on top of it. That's not how you solve things. All right. Sai, I'm giving well, I, you the mic. I'm giving you the conch. Thank you. Um, I, well, you know, like, I, you, were, you, you kept opinions out of it. Um, and, uh, you know, I'm, we've done this show long enough to know I'm very bad at that. Um, <laughs> yes, you are. But but I, I, I think, you know, there's a well, let me say this. I have no concept of what it feels like to be voiceless. You know, sure. like and and I think that's of the many things that are at the heart of the issue beyond just the specific incident of the murder of George Floyd are an entire community of people feeling unheard as they deal with the challenges that have been unfairly placed in front of them. So I think it, it's a discussion of, of voicelessness. And I, and I, so I, I don't know what that, what that feeling is like. So, so during this, my, I, I I'm not going to tell you what I think black people want you to know and what I think their experience is. Uh, you know, I, I tend to, listen to those voices as best as I can and elevate those voices. And, and, and there, there's so many of them that are available. I love Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. You know, he wrote an incredible piece in the LA Times, and he's been doing that dis through discussions and his writing for years. Yeah. Ava DuVernay, who is a filmmaker who's incredible. Uh, Clint Smith, Alicia Garza, Brittany Packnett. There, you, there is no shortage of supply of people who are so vocal and educated and impressive that you can turn to and elevate. The other side of that is, you know, I am a white person. And, you know, I, I grew up in a town that I, you know, I, I love my hometown, but there are also things about it that I don't like a lot. It was a really intense racial town between white people and Hispanics. So I, okay. you know, I've been paying attention and to myself and to, I guess, white people and how we deal with this racial injustice forever. And I think, I don't think there's anybody who, with the exception of the fucking KKK members, it feels like everybody saw the George Floyd incident and went, that's horrendous. That is murder. It's horrible. Right. right. Once we step past that agreement is where white people, we all land on what I call the belief scale, which is not a very creative title, but it's where on this scale, as, as these disadvantaged groups discuss their challenges, where on this scale do you land in terms of belief? Because you've, we've all heard those, you know, like, yeah, slavery, yeah, sure, slavery happened, but there's no ramifications of it still today. Or, sure. you know, sure, there there are some bad cops, but the system is fine. Like, how far down that scale, starting with this was an isolated incident and there's no other 
other problems, all the way through completely understanding what these communities are trying to say. Where on that scale do you land? And that's, I, you know, we want that to be a simple answer. I think it's simple, but I also think it's very complex. And I, I don't think we discuss how complex it is. We, we keep it simple, and that keeps the problem intact. And uh, a couple of examples of what I mean is there are white people in this country who struggle mightily, right? There are of white course. people who are living in extreme poverty, horrible health conditions. They've been abused. They've been manipulated. They've been tossed aside. Their journey is difficult to a degree that like Chad, you and I living our lives don't understand. Correct. Right. And, Correct. and even, even all the way to the other end of it, there are white people who have worked incredibly hard to get to where they're at. And so when, when people say it is more difficult to be black in America than it is to be white, somehow we've gotten into this place that people take that as a comparative and, and, and they go, well, don't, how dare you? You know, that, I think that's the response. It becomes this sure. defense mechanism. I've struggled. I've had this horrible life. I worked hard to get to where I got to. I've done all these things. They, they, it, it's been this manipulation of that conversation that is so far off the beaten path because nobody is devaluing your journey. That's not the point here. What right. th Those two things can exist together. And I think that's what you were saying as well. You know, the, the, what people are saying is if you take three clones personality, upbringing, that everything about him, biology, is the exact same with the exception of skin color. What we are trying to get people to understand is that that person with that skin color faces inherent challenges systematically. And that doesn't mean that you don't have problems, and that doesn't mean it's difficult, but that's not the comparison and the argument we should be having. But that is the argument that is often had. You hear it time and time again. And then... Yes. And then let's pile on top of that education. And you know, we are educated to a certain degree in this country on black history. You know, we learn about Rosa Parks, we learn about Martin Luther King and Malcolm X. We make a poster about peanuts, you know, and and we we you know, we we get through school, right? But there's this whole other level to education that exists, that, that explains these problems and explains what these voices are trying to say and trying to show you that can bring into light the actual issues. And we can, Minneapolis is a, is a great example. So let's f focus on that specifically. And I, I don't mean to, I have a dumb condescending voice, so I'm about to explain something. And if, if, if a lot of our audience already understands it, I'm not trying to be condescending, uh, but it's, it's the concept of in the 1930s with the New Deal, they one of the things that they started doing was to enable good air quotes good lending practices and successful home loan practices in this country they started doing a thing called redlining and again i know people know what redlining is but i also bet if you go out and ask you know 10 white people what redlining is eight of them are going to go i have no fucking clue right sure. so so in the 30s they start this practice and they they draw lines and and select areas and they based on they 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 decide what the risk is in terms of writing a home loan to that area is it a, is right. this a good risk all the way down to hazardous and of course every hazardous area red line red blocked black communities minority communities and disadvantaged communities and that goes on 
from the 1930s all the way up into the 1960s near the 1970s. So you're talking, for, and we all know that to, th one of the best ways to build wealth in this country is a college education and home ownership. Those are two of the best ways to start that process for your family, right? And so you're talking from 1930s. Forget the fact that, that communities are segregated in the first place. And anyone who's been to Minneapolis, if, you're, if you don't acknowledge that that is a segregated community, you are out of your mind. You know, yes. you, th these neighborhoods are incredibly segregated. And so from the 30s to the 70s, you have these communities that have the inability to purchase homes and grow and thrive for 40 years officially. And that's just officially. You're talking, you know, if you're 33 with an eight-year-old kid in 1930, when these, in the 30s when these goes on, you could talk about almost two generations of families in your family who have the inability to put down roots and build a home, right? Right. And then that doesn't even take into consideration all the once the Fair Housing Act took place in the 70s, all the under the table and sometimes above the table bullshit that happened from 1970 to 2020. And then you add in the fact that the highway systems in Minneapolis, and I'm not just spitting bullshit. This is all very accessible stuff. Right. But the highway systems in Minneapolis were built predominantly through these red line districts. So not only... Yeah. Did it diminish the area in their communities to have home ownership? It also, I mean, I don't know if you've ever lived near a community that had a downtown and then they put a fucking highway in. Yeah, no, nobody wants to live right next to the highway. So even when you're able to, you you get the home and you get the home loan and you you want to put down roots. Now all of a sudden, there's a there's a sound barrier wall in your back, your front or backyard, and it's traffic nonstop. And nobody stops. Nobody stopped right. that, you know, uh, when when these communities don't have people stopping through, the businesses disappear. Of course. So and, and you can go online. There are there are with the University of Minnesota and all sorts of places. You can look at these official maps and you can see 1930, 1940, 1950, 1960, all the way up to 1970. These communities, these red line communities stay the same. And then if you look at that map in 2010, then you look at the racially segregated areas and the poverty maps, they match up nearly completely yep so now you take all of that all of that information and then you add on top of it that there is a uh, you know the police department in minneapolis is i think 79 percent white and and then 92 percent of them not only don't live in these neighborhoods that i'm talking about yeah. they don't live in the city in the city limits and that's how you arrive at a system and a, and a systemic problem that creates an environment where something like George Floyd happens. And yeah. and you don't. And I'm, I'm t I, I sometimes I get talking and I feel like I'm fucking lecturing people. No, I, I don't think so. I mean, but police, you bring up a good point because police officers used to live in the community and neighborhoods they policed. Yeah. They had relationships with businesses, yes. with their neighbors, and it was it was less violent in those neighborhoods because of that. Because everyone kind of knew they're, each they're other. In, they're invested in a successful community. Of course. And and you know, and, and I say that so you, you take, you know, that first thing, the perspective and the education, and I'm not I'm not blame I'm not sitting here blaming. I'm pointing out the complexities and the difficulties and, and the things that people might not realize. Ingra that are ingrained in them that put them on that scale 
I was talking about and, and why they land where they, because I'll tell you, we don't learn, I don't know if you remember history class from, from high school. We didn't learn about redlining. Correct. We, and, and, and we don't learn about mass incarceration. And, and there's for, just like this redlining example, there's examples through the education system, through the hiring process, on and on and on and on and on. And then you take on top of that and you throw the political aspect where you've had politicians for as long as we've been a country flaming this divide. And I don't, you know, we, we spend a lot of that focus on the one side because they, we, we, they flame racial tensions and they put, it's, it's both sides. It's oh, both 100% sides. Because both sides. as much as they do do that, the other side is the Democrats who, you know, they, they are happy to get these votes and they're happy to act like they are the champions for these communities. And then when they get in, put in positions of authority and they get elected, they sure as shit don't pass enough or if any legislation to affect any of these issues. And, right. and, I mean, and, there have been Democratic presidents. Yeah. And here we are. We still have a giant problem. So there's so many things like those two examples. And I guess what I'm saying is I think it's it's time that when you find yourself landing somewhere on that scale or feeling a certain way about that opinion, I, I think we I think in my opinion, what my job is right now and what I think my nephew and niece's jobs and my family's job right now is, is to recognize that. And to move past those those things that are in the way and just get a little bit fucking uncomfortable. You yeah, know, I think, because- I, th- I think I think we need to ask ourselves, why did I land here on this scale? And and, and it's an un- and it's an uncomfortable question. And and, and the right. answers are uncomfortable. You, I'll tell you, you learn about redlining. It is there's there's this site called Mapping Minnesota. Excuse me, excuse me, uh, Mapping Prejudice. It's from the University of Minnesota. And you can read stories like about Arthur, uh, Arthur Lee and his wife, Edith, and, and all these stories about people who experience the thing that I'm talking. And they are uncomfortable and, and devastating. And, and learning any of this shit is. But it's like our friend Brooks Robinson and I a, a bunch of years ago were talking about something pretty inconsequential. And I was complaining about my comfort level with it and that's what he said he goes well maybe it's fucking time to be uncomfortable man and sure. i think that's where we're at i think you know no one no one is telling you because if i see one more person say i'm not going to apologize for being white no one's telling you that no one needs you to apologize for being uh, your story you they don't need you no one thinks you're stupid you know all all i'm saying i shouldn't say no one i'm saying what i'm saying all i'm saying is we're at a point where it's time to be uncomfortable, you know, and, and that's that's the start because that's what we 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 act. There's a lot of people, myself included, and I, I don't mean to. I say all these things as if I have some insight on them, but I've been corrected and informed, and you know, been a fucking idiot, and been fortunate to have friends who've put me on the path to a better understanding throughout my life, but I. I just think it's time to be uncomfortable and, and we should seek that. And I, I mean, I'll give you a couple places that you can do it. I, that, like I said, that mapping prejudice is a great place to start. There's a documentary by, uh, by Ava DuVernay called 13th. It's uh, you can find it on Netflix. One, three, T H 13th. It came out in 
probably 2016, and it's about mass incarceration. I'm going to tell mm-hmm. you, if you're a Republican, you're going to get to the Reagan stuff, and you're going to want to turn it off. And if you're a Democrat, you're going to get to the Clinton stuff, and you're going to want to fuck turn it off. But just watch it through. I'm t- it's, it's a documentary that has both Van Jones and fucking Newt Gingrich on the same side of a conversation <laughs> agreeing with one another. It is uncomfortable, and it is difficult, and that I, that's the point for someone like me to watch something like that. There's a book called Dog Whistle Politics by Ian Lopez that is really, really incredible. Um, and like I said, Mapping Prejudice, and, and we could, you know, any of those names I, I listed up front on and on. So I, I just... I think that's 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 my whole thing. I could, you know I could sit here and anybody who follows me on social media quickly finds that out. I can argue and criticize a point that anyone makes sure. pretty easily, but I we're just it's time to be uncomfortable because that that's that's our role, that's my role. If we if you if you're one of those people who truly thinks that you want to be a cog in the wheel of positive change, that's that's the thing. And that's, I mean, one of the things. Yeah, I think being uncomfortable is uh, key for a person to grow and key for a, a people to grow, like yeah. a, an entire society. I think, you know, we've all seen those guys walking around that look like they just jacked, right, with their upper body. Yeah. And then you see you see them in the, in the uh, locker room and they just have these little itty bitty tiny legs and you just, you see them and they, ne- they never do leg day because they're going to look weak. It's going to be uncomfortable for them. So they only stick with what they're good at, what they know, the bench press, the bicep curls. But in order to have a fully rounded personality and, and viewpoint, you need to get uncomfortable and do the things you haven't been doing. You need to have a humanity leg day. I love it. I mean, I know we we were serious through this, but if we can, well, I, that's just an example. I, I let everyone's seen that humanity leg day. Thanks for sticking around, everybody. This was an extra long episode. Oh boy! You know, again, thanks to uh, to Kelsey Cook. And if I could just say, you know, just this is going to sound so dad, but just be nice. Be nice to people. Treat people how you would want them to treat you. I mean, I know that's the golden rule, but man, it is lost on so many. And if we just, if we if just I, did that and took took the time, hey, can I add to that? Yeah. When someone is telling you that they feel like they're not being treated the way you would want to be treated, try to figure out why instead of trying to tell them why they're wrong. Great point. Okay. Hey, I love you. You know what? I love you too. Hey. You know what? There's a lot of people who are going to miss that because they stopped at the end of the episode. Good.